Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Papa has been a great father to us and a great blessing unto us and has, I mean, from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we've had an amazing encounter in the presence of the Lord and he continues to be a blessing and a great father to us. I mean, his love for the ministry, for myself and Lady Gifty, the church, and it's phenomenal. Praise God. Hallelujah. And we, we want to honor him. We want to appreciate him. I would want us to just, with a standing ovation and a half clap, unto the Lord. Let's welcome our Papa, Dr. Michael Gregory in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's do it much better unto Jesus. Put your hands together, celebrate him. Thank God for the gift of life. Thank God for how far he's brought you. Um, I don't know whether it's because your country appears to be cold, so a lot of the things are done in a cold way, but um, if your hands are yours and you are not having borrowed arms, you can put them together unto the glory of our God. I think you can do it much better than you did. Not unto me, but unto God. Praise Jesus. I, I want you to help me. Let us celebrate. Lady Gifty and Pastor Eric, they are amazing people. Help me, let us celebrate your pastors. Great people. Awesome people. You know... In your, in your part of the world, I've seen a lot of people doing ministry and they are not doing it because God has sent them to. Some people do ministry out of necessity. Very few you meet that are called and sent to do the work of the ministry. Very few, rarely. Um, you are honored to have people that God has anointed, called, anointed, deployed to usher you into destiny fulfillment. And I'm glad to celebrate them with you. And so if you love them and you honor them, will you please put your hands together for them one more time. I want to celebrate the, the trustees, the church workers, the prophetess, all of you, but how many of you came with your Bibles today? Came with your Bibles, could you please lift it up and say, this is my Bible. It is the Word of God. I'll become what it says I can become. I'll go where it says I can go. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Slap your chest and say, I am a believer. Come on, do it again. Say, I am a believer. If the Bible is yours, I invite your attention to the book of St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14. St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14. Those of you that are still looking for St. Matthew's Gospel, is the first book of the, of the New Testament. In case you are still in the old flip to the new, you will find it there. 
In Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14, if you have it, you can say, I have it. If you're still looking for it, you can say, wait for me. All right, I'm happy today. Everybody has it. St. Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 14, happens to be a very interesting book um, and chapter, more or less. Uh, from the verse number 22, the Bible says that, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him onto the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. They cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. He said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, you are the Son of God. Heavenly Father, we know that the grass will wither, the flower fade, but your word will abide forever. We pray that he give us a word that works so God. Anoint this lips of clay, make it an instrument of a blessing to somebody's life. To the end, our voices shall be lifted in praise and thanksgiving. In the mighty name of Jesus we have prayed. Amen. Amen. I want you to look for seven people and tell them, trust in him only. Come on, look at somebody else and say, trust in him. I was counting, doing a head count, but trust in him only. Trust in him only. Trust in him only. Hallelujah. If you've done that, you can take your seats. Trust in him only. Trust in him. When you walk with the Lord in the light of his word, the glory shines on
Gospel chapter number 14 appears to be a very interesting chapter of the Bible. It chronicles the event of the death of John the Baptist when um, Herod had commanded for him to be killed. When the wife had demanded the head of John the Baptist because John will not consent to adultery and will not consent to doing things that are outside the will of God. That is a very deep passage of scripture because it tells us that once you become a child of God, you can't compromise on divine standards. Even to the peril of your life, you will stand to defend the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. We live in times whereby we shift positions and we shift the goalposts to suit the very circumstance we find ourselves therein. And so today, if they say that this is the thing to do, even if it is against scripture or contrary to the word of God, we will still yield to it because we want to be seen to be good people in the sight of men. But God wants people who are God pleasers, not men pleasers. People that will stand by the truth, stand with the truth, stand to defend and stand for the truth, even if it means them losing their lives. After all, the Bible says he who will want to save his life will lose it. And he who will want to lose his life for his sake will rather save it. And if you are to compare your existence on earth um, through the lens of eternity, you know that you are here for a very brief period of time. So I would rather want to please God and uh, be shown the exit than please men leave here temporarily and suffer eternal damnation. I have heard um, other schools of thoughts and people who try to undermine the integrity of the New Testament theology, saying that there is no heaven or hell, um, that life is only here. Dawkins says the same thing. Um, you have England has produced a lot of philosophers. Most of them, I don't know what's wrong with them, but if I, I was coming today and I was talking to Don and, and Dr. Dilly and I was telling them, that's amazing that the gospel started from this same place and yet this place appears to have abandoned the gospel. And because of your intellectualism and your exposure, you are able to influence the world. Amazing how many people read books and um, read the works of British or Englishmen, Englishmen and women. Um, but you have done a lot of works about how God is even non-existent, atheistic propaganda. And not only that, um, there is no heaven or hell. So whatever you're doing, enjoy yourself here because when you die, there is not, not, nothing more to encounter. I keep saying this, if I'm going to live here for 100 years and I have to live with that caution that there is eternity awaiting me, I'd rather live by that principle than think that, okay, it is done. And when I go and I meet eternity, I will suffer the consequences thereof. It is better to err on the side of caution. Look at somebody and say, it's better to err on the side of caution. Can you look for somebody else and tell the person that? I know you are in your jacket, you are feeling cold, you have to make me warm. I didn't dress like you. So, so tell somebody, it's better to err on the side of caution. Hallelujah. And so the book gives us a very beautiful projection 
how John will stand and defend the cause and the gospel of our Lord, how he came to fulfill assignment. Chapter number 14 is laden with assignment. And Jesus had heard these things, and Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus had departed. When Jesus had departed, multitude followed him. When you begin to do what God wants you to do, numbers won't be a problem. Whether it's a business, or it's a ministry, or it's a, any career path that God will give you, or you choose, if it, is, if it is situated in the will and the agenda of God, multitude or crowd will not be a problem. You will never be um, begging for clientele if you're doing a business, right? What God will want you to do, God will rally people to come for you. Normally we struggle when we are outside the will of God. I will take you through what we just read very quickly. But it's important for me to bring it to you that when Jesus left, the multitude followed him. And Jesus was not fortunate enough because he had a lot of people who had not migrated from religiosity to spirituality around him. And in leadership, that is what our problem had been, especially those of us who are pastors who are leading people. You might find people who come around you very sentimental, people who are very sensational, not spiritual. There's a sharp difference between sensationalism and spirituality. So the fact that somebody comes to church and they shake doesn't mean they are spiritual. You, you, you have to get that straight. I mean, spirituality is deeper. It's a layer that you can't scratch. It's an inherent attribute that the Holy Spirit um, imprints or embosses. He embosses them on the tablets of your heart. And Jesus had people who were religious, people who understood how the world systems and its governance work. So they came to Jesus and said unto Jesus, Jesus, you know, you've done the work, the people had come, you've preached to them, they, they are okay, but it's about time for you to send them away. Let them go home. We can't feed them. When you get people who are religious, but are not spiritual, hanging around your vision, they will drive people away even before you feed them what they need. The problem is, in the modern day Christian assemblies, as leaders, we surround ourselves with people who are not mindful of the masses. We, you see, God did not bring us as church leaders or pastors or Christians so that we can profit from the people, but he brought us so that we can lead the people. It's amazing because the people have come around and all that the disciples could think about is, okay, we've done it. We've preached. We've taken offering. Let them go home. And Jesus said, no, I did not just come to just preach to them and take offering. Let them sit first. Because until there is settlement, there can't be a divine feed. You see, one of the things, I, I want to take my time before I get to the test. One of the reasons why people don't experience the blessings of God is that people are standing and walking and moving in the corridors of his grace. But if you really want to draw from God, you said, you can't move and be all over the place and still expect a divine flow. 
There are people who are here today, they are there tomorrow, their faith is wobbly, they are, they are very unstable. They are as unstable as the waters. The Bible says that if you are as unstable as the waters, then you cannot prosper. So you cannot be here today, there tomorrow, there the other day, and be all over the place. Jesus told them, let them sit. Because when they sit, they can be fed. The reason why people are not being fed is because people are not sitting yet. And to sit is a posture of maturity. To sit simply means that in spite of it all, I am hungry, I need food, but I can wait. Unfortunately, we don't have many people who have grown to that level yet where they can tell themselves, okay, I need it, but let me wait for my order. If you've placed a divine order, you go to any of the restaurants, bring you whether a hot towel uh, or warm water to, to, to wash your hands, clean your hands, wipe them, it will bring you crackers and bring you all the things, chips, bring you things to probably help ease you into readiness for the main thing. But no matter who you are, it will not be served because you sat. It will be served because they are making it and it's for you. They will bring it, but you have to wait for it. Jesus said, let them sit. And do not just let them sit. Let them sit in groups. Again, one of the fundamental problems we have in Christianity is that people think we can survive alone. You cannot. You cannot survive alone. It takes a lot of trees to make a forest. So, if God wants to do great things with your life, you should identify your strategic partners. People that you can do it with. People that you can stand with. People that can stand with you. And any relationship that is one-sided is not a relationship, it's bondage. Can I rewind and press play? No relationship is supposed to be one-sided. That you are the only one giving. You are the only one taking. You are the only one running. You are the only one standing. You are the only one sitting or talking. So when you meet a man and when you start dating, you are always the person that initiates a conversation. You are in the wrong crowd. You are the only one that always initiates a conversation. The only time he initiates a conversation is when he wants something from you. That's a wrong relationship to be in. In fact, you are not in a relationship. You just find a slavery part. That today I throw my liberties, freedom, decency as a human being through the window and I consent to servitude and slavery. So you became a slave without coercion. No guns, no ammunitions, you just signed to servitude. Every relationship, every relationship, you should get to that place, people of God, where your maturity takes you to the level where you know that once you meet, day and night are supposed to make up the day. 
A Sunday has two parts. It's the day and the night. It makes it the Sunday. A Monday has the same. So if we are together, you have to be my day, I have to be your night, I have to be your night, you have to be my day. I mean, that should be the relationship. The Bible says that the night and the morning you call the first day. One day, maybe next year or any other day, yes, when I come, I might talk about the law of the reversal. How God does not look at things the way you see it. So Jesus, I told them to sit and sit in groups so that he could feed them. And amazingly, that is in the same chapter number 14, is where you find the multiplication of the bread and the fishes. He fed them miraculously because they were ready. They came ready to receive from him. Miracles are born out of readiness to receive. There should be some level of expectation for you to be able to trigger divine happenings. Miracle without expectation will rather exhaust you. You'll be in the atmosphere expecting it for a long time and there will be nothing to run with. Because God doesn't perform magic. He is not like dynamo. You know that British boy performing miracle, uh, magic everywhere, walking and uh, the other day I was told that he, he walked on the Thames. Uh, right? That he walked on the Thames and he does all those crazy, weird stuff. God doesn't do that. God doesn't bring cats out of the mouth. So in the book of Matthew chapter number 14, I want to start talking to you, I, I think um, the, the narrative in chapter number 14 and the commentaries of it, we can put it down and run with the scripture that you just read. In chapter number 14, the Bible says, then Jesus said unto them, after Jesus had fed them, Jesus had done what was his duty. That is what is our duty as Christians church leaders and pastors that we care for the poor take care of the needy that we feed the hungry that we clothe the naked that we become the door openers to them that are bound that we set the captives free in the book of Isaiah chapter number 61 Jesus said the spirit of the Lord God is upon me of course Isaiah said it Jesus quoted in the book of Luke's gospel chapter number 4 but when Jesus was quoting what Isaiah had said in Isaiah chapter 61, he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me too. So anointing is not given to you for. There is a difference. I, I am not an Englishman. Never. I mean, I am an Kenyan. You are English people. You are English people, right? London people. Uganda. No, you don't speak like Uganda. Do you know how Ugandans talk? Okay. I have Ugandan friends, Suna, and um, the bishop. He has been having a revival for a long time now in Uganda. You go to Uganda, you see how they talk. You know the accent. 
Very heavy accent. You are not talking like that. So now you've been domesticated. The Ugandan accent is one of the strongest accents you will find. Not like the Nigerian accent. The Nigerian accent is also very strong. The Ghanaian accent is a bit light for, it's a bit light comparatively. Because we don't say nurse. <laughs> we don't say doctor. And I'm glad I'm standing before you and saying that. So that it won't be that I'm talking behind you. I'm talking in front of you. We don't say doctor. We, we don't say nurse. No? God punish the devil. <laughs> but the anointing is given to you to do stuff. Not for you to get stuff. When the Lord anoints you, he's anointing you so that you can get a work done. So if you are praying that God anoint me, the next thing is, what do you need it for? So people are praying, God, release the oil, release the anointing, let the anointing fall, let the anointing flow, give me the... Okay. It's not for pina colada and chips. It's not for Big Mac or going to Taka Taka. It's not going to the Indian restaurant to enjoy some food or the Mexicans to enjoy jalapenos. But it's given to you so that when there is somebody imprisoned spiritually, your presence alone will open the prison gates to them that are bound. That is what the anointing is for. When you are anointed and there is somebody sick around you, God is expecting you to demonstrate the anointing by praying for the sick and believe that the sick will recover. I pray for the anointing to fall on somebody's life on this Sunday. That wherever you go, the Lord God can use you to effect a change. The anointing makes you a change agent. So you cannot say that you are anointed and yet nothing is changing in your environment. The anointing is supposed to cause you to bring a spark of a difference to your community. If everybody in your family is still living in darkness and you say you're anointed. I, I was talking to a young man last night. He's a pastor. But he's working in another church. And he called me and he said, because his pastor happens to be my son. So he has a problem and he was He's going to, he was calling me to complain about my son to me. And I listened. Why? Because I will listen. I listened to him. And when he finished, he said, I have been very loyal to him. I said, I need five minutes and I don't want you to talk back. Just keep quiet and listen to me. So I started a lengthy lecture. Because I'm a teacher, I, know, I talk. I enjoy talking too. And talk you till you sleep and you wake up and I'll still be talking. <laughs> then I started talking to this young man. I said to him, you have people around you. You have people in your family, you have friends, you have... Yes. I said, since you joined him as his pastor, how many people have you brought to that church? 
He said, uh, um, 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 so, Daryl. So I said to him, so you were never loyal to him. And you never believed in his vision to start with. Because if you believed in him and you were loyal to him, you would rather be like the woman by the well who would go out there and say, come, I have met a man. Come and see. I said, if you claim to be loyal to a man, loyal to a vision, you understand the vision and you want to run with the vision and you happen to be within the vicinity of the vision and you don't attract people or invite people to come and partake of the wells that you are drawing from there is a likelihood a greater possibility that you've never believed in it at all you've never because if you believe in it what you you, you don't struggle to tell the world you love somebody oh the ladies can bear me witness when you meet a man and you are in love deeply straight your WhatsApp status, yeah, that's 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 who's gonna be there. Oh yeah, she's gonna be on your WhatsApp status. Take a photograph and you look at the photograph and you smile when there is nobody watching. You see the picture of the person and oh jeez, oh boy, oh boy, that's a cool dude. Oh boy, that's a sharp look. Mm, good boy, oh jeez. And you see him as a flawless gentleman. Mm, that's a good guy. Ooh, ooh. And you, when somebody even asks you, you don't even, they don't have to ask you. Oh, I, I, I started seeing somebody. Oh, but I haven't asked you yet. Oh, yes. I just want you to know that I've met somebody I'm comfortable and love. And that is the same thing. If you claim you love Jesus, you don't even need somebody to tell you to evangelize. You don't need anybody to tell you, talk about him if you truly love him. The reason why we find it so difficult to let people know our status we hide our Christian status as if it's a viral disease our Christian status is like HIV <laughs> no you don't need to know my status <laughs> Christian status is is, is, is is under wraps but if you truly love somebody and you can talk about him I have shared this story. When, when I met, from where I used to live to where my wife was living, oh, it was a journey and a half. It was a journey. I, I don't know this area, so I can't give like a comparative presentation of where to and where. But let's say it will be like from here to Reading. From where I was living to where my wife was living. When I met her, I could go to that house and come back home three times a day. <laughs> no, I wasn't even seeing the, the distance. It was non-existent. What was distance? Why? Distance? How? That the journey is far? How? No. Oh, no. Because I had my eyes on the price. Uh, you have no idea and if you have your eyes what is Jenny? Jenny for where? no Jenny no it was like moving from my bathroom to my bedroom no 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 problem I could just go and come and in the afternoon I just are you okay? oh I just came to check if you are okay if you are okay I'm going back <laughs> so 
So once she says, oh, I'm fine. Okay, then I'll go back. Because honestly, I didn't come for any discussion. I'm just coming to check whether you are fine. There was no WhatsApp. There was nothing to check status. There was nothing to check whatever. So the only way of me checking status is by showing me up. So I just come. Check. I, I, is everything all right? Is everything okay? You're fine. Oh, okay. And I'll go back. Now, after marriage, and I began to, to, to think about the journey. I said, so young man, who go on that route three times a day like you are on, a, on medication. <laughs> now amazingly, the roads were not good. And I was driving a sports car. Then, Mercedes, but very flat. I never bothered about the shock absorbers. No. <laughs> That, 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 no, it's too low for the road. No, no, I'll take my time. No, I'll take my head. Dodge potholes. Take your time. When you are going, you are, you are, you are, you, are, you, you see, when you begin to see the price, you can pay the price. Yes. And, and that is the truth. If you truly have a relationship with Christ and you see what awaits you, certain times, and please, it is difficult for most of you to draw people to the kingdom and when it's like that it means your love is suspect evangelism is everybody's call I don't need to wear the badge of an evangelist to tell somebody Jesus loves you but you look straight at me don't look at anybody when was the last time you told somebody the Lord loves you I, I just, I'm just asking. And I know you are a very honest group. And in all honesty, uh, can you look at your shoulder with, with the corners of your eyes? Don't just, not directly, but the person by your left or by your right and check the demeanor of their face. It will give them away. The last time, it told somebody Jesus loves them. And if I look at the, the faces of people, I get depressed because it tells me that it's been it's been a while but you see any environment God has placed you is so that you can showcase his love and tell people who he is if truly there is going to be a crown and God is going to reward us and our labor won't be in vain you ask yourself, how much of an effort are you putting into getting a crown from the Lord? It's a problem. Churches, man of God, are not growing in the UK. And it is not because the power of God has left Europe or the UK or the West. Now in Africa, we are building churches of hundred thousands of capacity. Abuja, they have built one. Polynesia has built one in Abuja. Ibiu means building one in Port Harcourt. Bishop Oedipo is building a 100,000 plus seat auditorium 
in Lagos. Europe, if you build a thousand, you have to believe God. No, 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 no you have to. And you ask yourself, why? These are all people. And at heart, everybody loves God. Forget about somebody saying, I, I don't believe or I'm an idiot. At heart, if you ever have even a spark of being good to your fellow human being, it is an honor you are giving to God. Yes. So at heart, people have something that honors God in a way. At heart, most people, if not all. But the problem is here, we don't feel the obligation to tell another person that he loves you. And so we fail to invite people to church. Oh. The people, if you go to the state of Utah in America, a lot of the guys from the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, when they are through with university education, they send them to Africa. And all that they do is one-on-one -on -one invitation. They can be on... You give them five minutes of your time. The next day they'll be there. They'll make sure they are on you until you finally give up and decide, okay, I'm going to church with you. For you even calling somebody to check up on the... Oh, I didn't see you in church. Is everything okay? It's a problem. You cannot. And it tells us of your love for God. somebody and tell the person be a soul winner yes. no, no no look for uh, the, this one I'm giving you the permission the first one I, I asked you not to look into their faces because I didn't want that that look of guilt to infect you look at somebody else and tell the <laughs> look for somebody and tell the person be a soul winner can you look for three people no, I want you to dare somebody be a soul winner win souls for God be a soul winner be a soul winner how many souls have you won for Christ? How many? In your school, in your workplace, your bosses, your subordinates, people that report to you, people that look up to you. Your social media handle is not an avenue for promoting promiscuity. It's a platform for showcasing the glory of God. Yes. There are, especially those of you that are beautiful, the beautiful ladies, I'm telling you, God gave you a weapon. And it's not for mass destruction. That weapon, it's not a weapon for mass destruction. Because I'm, I'm telling you, there are, there are some of you, the beautiful ladies, and all that, people check your status almost every day, you'll be amazed. Your WhatsApp, the status that keeps changing, I don't know how to do it. When you have my WhatsApp number, you see that it never changes because I don't know how to do those things. For me, apart from the DP, the status, I don't know how they do it. And I have deliberately told myself that is not my portion. But there are people that will go and check on your status and see the flips. Oh, this girl is beautiful. And they take each shots and they say, so they've been saving your pictures there are people they have never spoken to you for a while but they have all your pictures they have been admiring you secretly can you set yourself on a 21 day campaign 
a Jesus revolution campaign and get messages that will, when they click, hmm, and this lady, what's happening to her? For oh, God so loved the world. The next one, repent and be ye saved. The next one, Jesus is coming soon. The next one, hellfire awaits you. I'm glad you are taking it easy on a Sunday morning. But this is it. Jesus had fed them. And Jesus had told them, let us go. The Bible says Jesus had told them, go to the other side. Why? Because he knew that he would meet them there. Now on the way, I, about 10-15 minutes, I should be fine. On the way to um, the other side where Jesus had sent them to, the Bible says that they came into contact. There was a storm. I read that portion of scripture and I get excited because anybody will encounter the storm when you are on your way of assignment. When you are embarking on a divine assignment, the joy in that test is that they did not meet the storm when they were not on assignment. So the reason why you go through stuff is because you are on a divine assignment. When they were on an assignment, the Bible says the storms came against them. The joy is, if the Lord is the one sending you there, then the Lord will keep you there. Because until the Lord sends you to the place that he has destined for you to be, there is nothing that can take you out of where God wants you to be. I, I pray that even as you embark on a divine assignment, may the Lord empower you and get you over the finish line. You see, the problem is, we think that if the Lord is sending us, it will be a smooth sail. And oftentimes, that is what the enemy manages to push down our throat. That if it's the Lord, if the Lord is in it, oh, it's going to be bread and butter. If the Lord is in it, everything is going to be all right. Yes, it's going to be all right. Jesus will always promise you the destination, but will always be silent on the process. Because it will take a divine process to develop a champion. The processes that the Lord will take you through will inform your development. Go to the other side. I will meet you there. The Bible says that while they were going, the storms came against them. And so I go through things because I am obedient to God. Obedience will bring challenges. Yeah. When you begin to obey God and live by the letter, live by the rules of divine engagement, there will be challenges on your way. When they decided to obey, follow the instructions of our Lord Jesus Christ, and they said to themselves, okay, the master is saying that we should go there, and that is what we know, and that's what we're going to do. The Bible says that whilst they were going, the storms came up against them. And so on your way to destiny fulfillment, the storms will always come up against you. But I pray in the name of Jesus that when they come up against you in the form of a flood, may the Spirit of God always lift up a standard against them. May the Lord give you the ability, the capacity, the strength and the mandate to go beyond any storm that comes up against you. Hmm. Storms came up against them. The Bible says they were tossed to and fro. 
But whilst they were wondering what was going to be their fate, they saw a man walking from where they were going. That you can preach a whole month. Because wherever God is sending you to, he has already been there. He has been there to put things together, put things in proper perspective. And not only that, Jesus did not wait for them there. They saw him coming. It means that Jesus will come and get you and take you to where he has been or where he has prepared. Isn't it not amazing that the Bible will talk about um, eternity in that same light? That Jesus will say that I'm going to my father's house to prepare a place and I will come get you. Because where I'm going, you cannot go there. But I have to come get you and send you to where I am going. So where is called your end, your destiny fulfilling place, your appointed place of divine manifestation, you can never get there through the storms if he doesn't come to get you. That is why you can't get things done on your own might. That's why the scripture says not by might. That's why the scripture says not by power. That's why it is said boldly written in your Bible that it will be by my spirit, saith the Lord. I just pray for somebody that the hand of God will come upon you and the spirit of God will carry you from where you are and send you to where the Lord God has destined for your life. I pray in the mighty name, matchless, mighty, wonderful, supreme, superior name of Jesus, the one who rules, reigns, and has regency, that he will come for you wherever you find yourself and land you where he has destined you to be. The Bible says that and Jesus, they saw Jesus walking to where they were. In the middle of it, the Bible says they were in the middle of the journey. You see, the problem in life had always been this. And the storms of life will never come after you until you sailed very far. If it came at the beginning of the journey, they would have said, okay, let us wait. If it subsides, then we go. But he waited for them to get into the middle of the journey. Said that the distance back will be the same as the distance forward. That means that the devil only strikes when he knows that you have come too far to return. Is there anybody who knows that you can't give up because you've come too far? You've made too much of an investment in God. You've done so much for God and there's not the time to throw in the towel. And I pray that if that happens to be the revelation you have, may the Lord show up in your life and may the Lord bring you help in times of need. He had come very far in the middle of the journey. And that is when the Bible says the storms came. But when the storm came, the master who told them, I will meet you on the other side. And technically, the disciples had never met Jesus in that manner before. They know that they travel with him. They go with him. Wherever they are going, they go with him. And Jesus is saying, I will meet you there. Meanwhile, the only vessel that will take us there, we are going with it. And so how will you get there? Jesus was bringing something before them that when it comes to me my divinity overrules my humanity can i explain that god will always give you receipts in okay in the uk you don't do receipts in papers when you fail an exam you take it again 
How many of you have ever had a re okay? Don't, don't okay. Put it. Don't put it on your hand. Don't show, please. I don't want any stigmatization. So put it. But you know in your head. Okay, just look at me. <laughs> How many of you have had a reset before me? Reset. Oh, you have. Okay, I have witnesses. Please. Okay, now you have liberty. Lift up your hand. If you've ever had to sit for a paper in any form. That's how the kingdom is. Any test the Lord gives you, if you fail it, you will reset it. That is why most of the time it appears as if there is a cycle. Because you never learned the lessons. And you never passed the test. This was not the first time they had encountered a storm on the sea. If you read your account very well, the first time they ever encountered a storm was when they came and said to Jesus, carest thou not that we perish. The first storm they encountered, Jesus was sleeping and they came to ask him, don't you care that we are dying? We are about to die. And you are sleeping. Changing gears and snoring. Jesus got up, never engaged them into any form of argument or banter. He just went up, stood, and said, Peace, be still. And the agencies were calmed. The thing they did after that event was, What manner of man is this? That even the seas obey him now check out they failed the test because they were with the lord but they didn't know him most of us happen to be with god but we don't know him what do, what do you mean by they failed the test because they questioned his identity they failed the identity test it was after it was done that they, they, they've been with Jesus. Jesus had done so many miracles before them. And yet they had the guts to ask, what manner of man is this? His identity was questionable before them. So they failed. Jesus had to arrange for a reset. He had to arrange. That one, I was with you. I was sleeping. You thought I didn't care. And when I even count the storms, you question my identity. This one, I'm not even going with you. You will be on your own. I'll go where you are supposed to go. But you are supposed to come there. I'll meet you there. And when you become religious, you even lose your common sense. Because they should have asked, somebody should have asked Jesus that interrogative question. At least ask questions. They didn't do that. And when Jesus was coming, the first thing they did again, okay, the spirit. That is a ghost. Other versions say it is a ghost. Other translations say it is a spirit. Whether it's a ghost or it's a spirit, it's something. It's something that was able to walk on the waters check out the scripture the bible says when jesus was coming they looked at him and said it's a ghost it's a spirit Jesus said no i'm not a ghost i'm not a spirit i'm the same jesus that just fed the five thousand. peter
said, okay, if it is you, beat me to come. They said, okay, come. Come here. The Bible says, and this man began to walk on the sea too. It means that whatever your master can do, if you can look up unto him, you can do it too. And the Bible says, greater works than these shall you do. I pray that God will launch you into that realm. When you do greater works for kingdom, greater works for his church, greater works for your world and your generation. That's what scripture says. And the Bible says, the man began to walk. Then self-consciousness kicked in. Hi. Oh boy. I did walk for what hour? be me Peter <laughs> Peter a whole Peter walking on water Jesus I can I can walk and the Bible says when he got conscious of his environment he began to sing what it tells you is anytime you are on a divine assignment and you begin to look at your prevailing circumstance you'll fail when you are on an assignment Trust only in the one who gave you the assignment. You can't survive if you go by just your instincts. What did the Lord tell you? If he told you to come, why can't you trust him and just obey? He is the one who bid you come. The Bible says that he began to sink. But before we pray, this is the beautiful part of the scripture. The scripture says, he cried, the Lord, save me. That means that no matter how bad the situation is, if we truly lift up our voices to cry unto God, he's able to save and deliver us from any trouble or affliction. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord God shall deliver him from them all. I pray that may your deliverance be nigh unto you. Look at somebody and say, he's the God of deliverance. Can I pray with you? He's the God of deliverance. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord God is able to deliver him from them all. He's a God of deliverance. The Bible says that, and when he saw that he was sinking, he cried unto him and said, Lord, save me. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. And I will save and heal their lands. That's what scripture says. And so when he had that call on the Lord and said, save me. The Bible puts it aptly. He said, and immediately the distance was not a barrier. It, it, it didn't matter where he was and where Jesus had reached. Maybe there might have been kilometers apart. He might have been several kilometers apart. The scripture does not give us the nautical miles or the their positions to be able to trace the distance between Jesus and Peter. But hypothetically, we can assume anything. You can even dream wilder. Say that they were many, many miles apart, or they were very close. 
But no matter the distance between Jesus and Peter, this is the beautiful part of the story. That the Bible says when he cried, immediately the Lord stretched forth his hands and lifted him. I pray that may the Lord hold you by your hand and lift you from any region or realm or anything that you find yourself therein. The man who was sinking, he was staring at death. And that really surprised me about Peter, man of God. My surprise was, Peter, you had been a fisherman. So you should know how to swim. He's a fisherman. The fisher folks, they can swim. And I'm not sure how many steps he had taken before he became conscious of himself. What is your problem? You could have swum back. To the boat. Or ask them, please, give me a hand. Where is the net? Throw the net so that I hold on to the net or the rope and you pull me aboard. Peter knew that at certain levels in life, your experience and the people around you cannot help you. What you need is the master stepping into your situation and turning things around. I pray that the master himself will step into your situation and turn things Look at somebody and say, I just need the master. I don't need my experience. I don't need friends around. I need the master to step into my situation and turn things around. Please be upstanding and let us pray. I don't know how many time I have left. You close at one and it's 32. Pastor Eric, you have been very unfair to me. And Lady Gifty, you've not been fair. Knowing that we close at one, you should have told me that we are closing at one so that I will preach a sermonette for five minutes. But you see, the beauty of it is this. No matter the situation, your experiences, when it comes to divine assignment and destiny fulfillment, experience doesn't count. That's why I told you that Peter could have just, okay, swim back, Peter, swim back. Or ask your partners or the others in the boat to get you a net or a rope. No, it's not about the experience. Anything that is a divine program will need a divine help. Nobody asked him to walk, so he didn't need anybody to rescue him. He needed the master himself. I believe that God brought you into this world in such a time as this, and you find yourself in the UK, south of England, or Bristol, in this part of the world, or wherever you traveled from to be part of this conference, God brought you into this world for an assignment. And for that assignment, I'm telling you, nobody can help you out but God himself. If you try to swim, you'll drown. If you ask for help, they'll undercut you. They'll shortchange you. And oftentimes, what God wants to do with us, he doesn't want people to share in his glory. So even after you tell somebody, 
that. The reason why most of the time you tell people your problems or a story or something and you hear them using it against you is because God is telling you that was the wrong avenue for help. Yes. He needed something to happen real quick. And he spoke about it. And I keep telling people, stop saying I am confiding in you. Who confiding who? No. They can't even confide in themselves. You are confiding in them. You are my confidant. Let me confide in you. This thing, please. I know that my secrets are safe with you. Who told you? Even DS, they haven't been able to keep them safe. DS are all over. People who live on the media. This social media generation, no, you can't share secrets with them. People who are busy. You see, the sad thing about social media is this. People are living for likes. when I put it up, I had a thousand likes. 50,000 likes. 20,000 reactions. So people are living for likes. Likes from people they don't know. Reactions from people they might never meet in their lifetime. And so if somebody is sitting in Bangladesh, I posted something and the person said, are you crazy? Why should you post that? That is a reaction from somebody in Bangladesh who is fighting my course in Bristol and I lose sleep because somebody from Bangladesh the person is not even from Moscow from Bangladesh oh Jesus a person is not living in excess. A person is in. Because the person, the person reacted wrongly. Or the person reacted well. Oh, I have a lot of likes. From who? If you can't like yourself, nobody likes you. In fact, have it at the back of your mind that you are, you are your best friend. Look at somebody and say, do you. Come on, look at somebody else and say, like yourself. <laughs> if you don't like yourself, great man, if you don't like yourself and you are, you are believe, oh God, please, uh, wherever I go, people don't like me because you are not supposed to be liked by people. Do people like you? Oh yes, people like me and you are excited. They are going to kill you. I said something years ago that if you live by people's acceptance, you die by their rejection. Yeah. You live by their acceptance, you die by their rejection. I, I want us to pray, I have some few minutes to pray with you. And I want you to lift up your right hand. No matter where you are, it's not late to call on him that saved me. Though might be in the middle of the journey, and the storms might be tempestuous. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The winds might be contrary to your sail. And things might appear as if they are going under. And all things appear to be falling apart. But there is a Savior. There is a Lord and a God that can just stretch forth his hands and rescue you immediately.
The Bible says, and immediately he held him and pulled him up and he walked with him. It means after the rescue, the Lord orders, orders your steps. He, he makes sure he's walking with you so that you don't sink or drown again. Come on, lift your voice and begin to pray to God. Wherever you need a rescue mission, in, in, in your private life, in your personal life, in your business life, in your career, in your spiritual life, in your ministry, wherever you need God to intervene. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Let there be interventions. Holy Spirit of God, Ligrado Shandala Hadakada, Rokada Basunda Labada Grandele, Boshanda La 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 Holy Spirit of God, we pray for the rescue mission of the heavens. We pray in the name of Jesus that your hand will be strong upon us, O God, that you save us, that you rescue us. Uh, yeah, da, 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 da. anywhere the storms are against us we pray that you stretch forth your hands and snatch us oh god from their grips in the mighty name of jesus wherever we need spirit of god come on cry unto him the bible says he cried and said lord save me and his salvation and redemption was guaranteed after the cry you want to cry unto god you want to pray unto god that bring redemption, bring salvation, bring the rescue mission. Let things fall in their pleasant places. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Hallelujah. 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 Please place your right hand on your heart. For the time that we have, I will not be able to do so much. But I know God has showed up. How are you, mom? It's good to see you. Yes, was it yesterday or two days ago that I wanted to pray with you? Two days ago, that we were we were sacked from the church. Okay. How many of you remember we were sacked? Okay, okay. No, no. Don't, don't pretend. How many? How many of you remember we were sacked? Oh, we were sacked. It was a, a polite. We were sacked. I think I prefer that word, sacked. We're sacked from the sanctuary. Because we don't have our own. And my prayer is the next breakout conference, we should do it in our own place. You don't believe it's possible? Is that possible? Place your right hand on your heart. I want to pray for a divine release of resources to every member of this great assembly. That God will cause down the rains as never been before. The Bible says, and I'll bring you the former rain. I'll bring you the present rain. And I'll bring you the latter rain. But the glory of the latter rain shall be greater than that of the former. I am praying with you that God will bring you the latter rain. It is only God. There was a day I was praying and the Lord told me, son, sometimes you make mistakes. I said, what do you mean, Lord? 
He said, because I'm the only one who knows the, the fish that holds the golden coin. When it comes to supply, I know the fish that holds the golden coin. God, I was, when I was, I was preaching Breakthrough Series in Ghana, I think about two years ago, two, three years ago, I was saying to them that the Lord said when you go there, do not go for the net. Don't cast the net. Use the line. So there was a hook, a line, and a sinker used by the man caught the fish and that particular fish had a golden coin no fish business no net business because when you when you cast the net it brings even the unwanted substances it brings weeds poisonous stuff that you don't even need and is not edible in the first place but whatever resource you need god is the one who knows where your resources are hidden Today, I want us to pray for the next one minute because that's the declaration I'm going to make over you as a church. That resources will be given to you from on high. Spirit of God, lift up your voice and pray. That resources will come to you. That the Lord will bring unto you divine resources. He knows where they are. He can direct your steps there. He can bless you beyond your wildest imagination. Thank you, Jesus. I'm praying with you. I'm praying. Thank you, Jesus. David had gone to God. David was not part of royalty when God decided to choose the first royal family of the land. Well, then people of Israel had moved God. They did not select Saul. Saul too was selected by God. First Samuel chapter 9, first Samuel chapter 10, chapter 10, the verse number 1. And Samuel picked a vial of oil and poured it upon the head of Saul and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you to be captain over his people? Is it not because the Lord has? So the Lord selected Saul. When God appointed called David into kinship. David had pleased God. David had done so many things for God. He had fought battles, but done so many things that were also praiseworthy. But check out your scripture. The Bible says that he got to a place and he knew that since the thing was given to him, it can also be taken from him. He went to God, did certain things for God. Oh Jesus. He raised an altar. He decided to build for God. The Bible says that. He said that why should I as a king that was a reject live in a palace while the Lord God lives in a tent. Therefore I will build for God. When he said he will build for God, God said unto him, David, your hands are stained with blood. You can't build for me. You've done so many things that I... It means that even to build for God is a privilege. Not everybody is given the chance or the ability to build for God. But if you look at your scripture very well, the Bible says, God came back to David and said to David, David, 
because of the thought because of the heart because of just the mindset that you build for me in every generation i'll raise a giant from your family Amen. i was praying to god and i asked god god what can i do to leave a lasting impression in the land of the living said that in every generation somebody in my from my loins from my bloodline will be relevant my children their children their children their children even after i am dead and the bible says that and when god was angry with the kings of judah and israel and he wants to even smite them you will remember david and say unto them i have wanted to take the kingdom from you but because of david i cannot so what will make god do that it is when somebody great man decides that for me i will build for god when a man decides to build for god god gives him an eternal memorial that generations will come after you that will know god even more than you do god will make sure your name is not erased and god will make sure that your impact becomes everlasting up till now we have the city of david up till now we call people the root of david he was a rigid an outcast an outlaw mm. david was born out of wedlock and yet he became the premier king that they talk about they have forgotten about king saul they talk about king david they don't even mention king king ahab they mention king david why because david decided to do something for god I want to pray for you as the resources are coming i don't know how many of you will plan in your heart that they are saying that kingdom and church is struggling in europe and in south of england in bristol but for me i want to commit resources and get a place of worship for god's house for me that is a prayer that i want you and i want you to close your eyes I'm giving you just 30 seconds to pray that prayer. God, give me resources and tell him what you want to do. Maybe you are saying, God, I will build for you. God, I will make sure I buy you a place. I'll make sure when we are able to build for you or get a place, I will make sure I get the instruments done. I'll get the chairs in the place. I'll do that. But it is a personal thing. God said, David, you can't build for me, but because of the thought, just the idea, the mindset that you do that, I will do that for you. The iPads you buy are thousands of pounds or a thousand pounds, each turn 50 pounds. Your iPhone, your Samsung uh, Note 8, Note 9, S9, S10, whatever it is your blackberry the things you do with money that sometimes we forget that kingdom ought to be built they came to jesus and said jesus this man has a need but you have to listen to him why because for us he built us a synagogue he built a church for us can i pray with you put your right hand on your heart i'm praying father i pray for everybody in this house and everybody in this assembly that the lord god will visit you there was a breakout conference the conference that is to lead you and usher you into a new realm 
today standing as a priest I usher you into a new beginning the conference itself ends today but greater things starts today conference is ending today but greater things are starting right now the Lord God will break you out bring you not just liberties but manifestations may the blessings of the divine may the glories of our king be evident on your life may your going out and your coming in be blessed by him in Jesus name we have prayed Amen. Let's appreciate the ministry of Papa. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What an awesome conference. Church, let's do better. Church, let's do better. Church, let's do better. Let's do better. The conference ends today, but great things begin from today. Hallelujah. Let's appreciate the ministry of Papa as he lives that. Thank you, Papa. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. In the name of Jesus.